Welcome to the show, and you're listening to Sports Talk What the Home, and this is episode 346, and yes, you thought the host was just going to uh, disappear until uh, after the uh, famous uh, golf trip. Well, <laughs> I, I, I did think about it, <laughs> uh, but I thought I owed you guys uh, a show uh, to whet your appetite, so to say, uh, before the host uh, leaves for uh, the trip. You know, I, you know, as we know, the host is mostly generated around a football talk and a football show, with occasionally, you know, some baseball, some basketball uh, stuff here and there, and other other things that we may uh, get into on the show, golf, you know, things like that. But, uh, of course, I have a few things to talk about. Now, I don't know how long this is going to go for. I don't know how long we're going to be on here for today. But, as a host, and to all my listeners out there, I thought I owed you guys a show before the host leaves for the golf trip and disappears for another uh, week and a half or so uh, before you get to hear hear me again. <laughs> you know, I, I had a conversation with someone, and... Uh, I said, well, what do you, what do you, they're asking me, how come you didn't do a show? Why did you do a show, host? What, hey, what do you, what do you want me to talk about? Do you know this person suggested to me to do a show, a seven round mock draft with trades? Now, who wants to listen to somebody on a podcast do a seven round mock draft? Of all 32 NFL teams with possible trades. I surely don't. I would probably fall asleep doing it if I if if I were to do something like that. That has got to be one of the most boringest podcasts to listen to. And you know what? You know what? There's people out there to do it. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I see them. I scroll through. I because of the host uh, involvement in the podcast world, I happen to uh, acknowledge and follow many, many people on the tw- on the uh, Twitters, X, whatever you want to call it these days, uh, that people do podcast. And believe me, there's people that do this. And I don't know how many listeners they have. I don't know how many people. And some of these people have video. I don't know how many of these people video watch these podcasts. But... To do a seven-round mock draft with trades? Who would be interested in that? And who has the time to listen to something like that? So anyway, here we go. Round one. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I wasn't going to do it. But I do want to talk about a few things. I got I to gotta talk about this. So you know the NFL Combine is going on right now. And of course, that's where all the players, uh, current players that are going into the draft, uh, via if you're a senior, junior, whatever, uh, you go and perform a bunch of drills, uh, and uh, all the scouts there from all 32 NFL teams are there watching. You go through the drills uh, associated with your uh, position that you play uh, currently in college, and you try to show how good you are. You do, you know, you you do a 40 yard dash. You do. A vertical jump, you do a strength conditioning test, you do all these drills that, that, that do with your positioning, you, you know, you take some other tests, you meet with the coaches, you meet with the general managers, you can have conversations, 
Everybody gets to know you before you all go into the draft. Of course, some people uh, you know, think they don't need to belong in there or be anywhere near any of this stuff. Don't want to do the drills. That's mostly the quarterbacks. Uh, we'll get to that in a second. Uh, Marvin Harrison Jr., the best top wide receiver in college. He's not doing any of the drills for some unknown reason. I don't know what, what you're hurting by not showing, showcasing yourself how much better you are than the current receivers that are there. But anyway, there's this guy yesterday that took Twitter by storm. And you, we had, I had to see it on my timeline for the rest of the night. And that was Xavier Worthy, receiver out of Texas, who posted the all-time 40-yard dash record at the Combine, 4.21 seconds. Now, I'm not, not, the host isn't mocking that, okay? Now, that's fast, okay? That is really fast. Now, that's something to be that fast. The only thing faster is uh, when the buffet front doors open and Andy Reid goes bolts, bolstering in to catch uh, to be first in line to get at the buffet. That's the only thing you'll see faster in 4.21 these days. <laughs> but uh, um, so everybody's all all excited about this guy, going crazy about this guy posting 4.21. So of course. The host has to dive into it. Now, okay, the guy's fast, right? So I had to look at his stats in college. Uh, he did play, for some wrong reason, he played three years. His freshman, sophomore, and they call it his senior year, I guess. Uh, I don't know why they don't call it his junior year. Um. Freshman year, he had 62 catches, 981 yards, 15.8 average, 12 touchdowns. Sophomore year, 60 catches, 760 yards, 12.7 average, 9 touchdowns. And last year, he played 14 games. Texas, right there in the college football semifinal. 75 catches, 1,014 yards, 13.5 average, 5 touchdowns. If this guy's so fast, why wasn't it utilized on the football field? 13.5 average? That's good? For a receiver in college? When if you're that fast, shouldn't you be blowing past the average defensive back player that you face, especially in the Big 12? 13.5 13.5 average? And l- let me ask you this. He's fast. When's the last time you remember one of these so-called fast guys that got into the NFL actually be an NFL superstar? Oh, that's right. You can't remember any. Well, I'll give you the names of these so-called fast receivers, and you tell me, you tell me, you stop me when you hear a name that sticks out and you go, well, that guy was an all-pro receiver. You stop me. I'll read you the names. So Xavier Worthy, he has the all-time record, 4.21. We still don't know what his fate's going to be in the NFL. Number two all-time. John Ross, 
4.22. Yeah. Anybody want to tell me how many all pro? Oh, none. Kalen Barnes, 4.23. Yeah. Chris Johnson, 4.24. Now, he was the running back, right? Was he the running back for Titans that maybe had a few good seasons? And other than that, you know, once he got a few hits on him, he was done. Uh, Tyreek Woolen, 4.26. Dre Archer, 4.26. Remember him? Dre Archer drafted out of the Steelers in the third round. Yeah, how did that pan out? Marquise Goodwin, 4.27. Yeah, exactly. Henry Ruggs III, 4.27. Yeah, we all know how that turned out. Uh, Stanford Route, 4.27. You see what I'm getting at here? Just because you're fast at the combine doesn't mean that you're automatically going to be an NFL superstar. So I get it. I get why everyone's all excited about this guy being fast. But turns out, doesn't really end up meaning anything. You know, you got to go and adapt to the NFL. You got to learn the routes. You got to learn to get by these best defensive backs in the NFL, best safeties. You could have a decent quarterback that's going to be able to throw you the ball. So before everyone gets all excited about this guy, ooh, 4.21, it's fast. It's fast. Be careful. In drafting a player like this, it's great to have speed. Everybody needs speed in the NFL. But it all depends on the player and how these teams utilize that player's speed moving forward. So let's hold off on uh, Xavier Worthy until we see what he ends up doing in the NFL. Now, the other thing that drives the host crazy about the NFL Combine Get these quarterbacks that don't want to throw in front of the in front of all the teams, in front of all the drills. They want to do it on their own time. They want to do it in their own pro days. Caleb Williams is 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 you know pulling out. He doesn't want to throw at the combine. He might not even throw at his pro day when all the scouts go to USC to see the individual players on those teams do it. Drake May doesn't want to be in the in the combine. And throw. Jaden Daniels doesn't want to throw either. What are these guys hurting? We already know that these three guys are probably going to be the three first three quarterbacks taken off the board. So what are they hurting by not throwing at these combines? You don't have to wear a helmet. You don't have to wear a pad. You know all the routes the receivers are going to do. All you got to do is throw the football. And woo the crowd. Put the spiral on it. Remember, that's how Zach Wilson of the Jets, that's how he got drafted so high. Remember they uh, at the Combine a few years ago, he threw that big 70-yard bomb down the field, and everybody got all excited, and he immediately shot up everybody's draft board because of one throw? What did they, what is, what is, Caleb Williams think if he throws a bomb 70 yards that he's going to get somehow taken off of somebody's draft board because the the arc of the football wasn't properly thrown? (laughs) I mean, you're going to be the number one pick. 
Well, why not just show everybody what you could do? There's a lot of people that probably haven't seen this kid throw, be it at, on, on the West Coast in the USC. You know how it is. If they play late, a lot of people don't see the uh, on the East Coast, a majority of the media. They don't see these ki- this kid throw the football. Yeah, you see tape. But, you know, why not? Why not if you're Jaden Daniels, get out there and throw the football? Throw the football around for everyone to see. What are you hiding? You're going to be a top pick. I just don't understand uh, why these guys, what, are you afraid you're going to get hurt? You're just throwing a football. This kills me how these teams, I mean, how these players don't want to show their skill and show what they could do out on the, on the field. Just, I don't get it. I don't get what their whole deal is. Why hide behind something that you can do great? I, I don't understand it. But the combine is going on now. Of course, uh, lots of players who weren't uh, scheduled to be picked high are making their case uh, by doing good in these drills. Uh, you know, quarterbacks are going to, a couple quarterbacks are going to throw. J.J. McCarthy is actually going to throw. Bo Nix is going to throw. Michael Penix is going to throw. So these guys are going to, uh, you know, put a showcase on and show their skills. Try to move up in the draft. I don't know why these other guys you can't. But uh, just a little pet peeve uh, with the host about the combine. Now I got a couple other things here for you. Uh, in case anybody was unaware, the NFL uh, announced this salary cap for the 2024 season. It went up 30 million dollars per team. In 2023, the salary cap was $224.8 million. For the 2024 season, it is now $255.4 million. So all the teams benefiting from all the TV money, uh, the down year and, and the, the COVID year where they had to reduce the salary cap after that year because they borrowed money from it. Uh, all these teams have now benefited from that we are at $255.4 million per team for the 2024 season. Just think. If this is how much the salary cap has gone up in the NFL. In 2011, the salary cap per team was $120 million. $120 million. It's gone up 130 million since 2011 per team. Uh, what I meant by the COVID year in 2019, the salary cap was 188.2. In 2020, the salary cap was 198. And then because of the COVID year in 2020, the salary cap in 2021 went down to 182 million per team. So in three seasons, since it went down to 182 because of the COVID season in 2020, the salary cap has gone up $70 million per team. So I'll be anxious to see how much free agent spending there's going to be this year and what teams are going to benefit the most. The Patriots recently uh, just let J.C. Jackson go. They are over $100 million in cap space. Uh, they're allegedly going to let go of Mac Jones. 
Uh, they're going to start all over with their new coaching staff with Jared Mayo. So it's curious to see what kind of moves the Patriots make in free agency, having a hundred million in cap space now with this new, um, you know, salary cap. And of course, all the other talk, of course, is what is Dallas going to do with Dak Prescott now that the salary cap is this high? Are they going to give him sixty to sixty-five million a year? Is that what Dak Prescott's going to get? Guy's never been past wild card round winning a football game. And they're going to give this guy, possibly give this guy, $60 million a year. You know Jerry's going to do it. You know he's going to go with that. He could have had Bill Belichick on this offseason, but he decided to keep Mike McCarthy. So it's very curious to see what uh, Jerry Jones and the Dallas Cowboys do now that they got an extra $30 million to spend this offseason for them. So a lot of teams can have some big moves uh, this offseason. So it's going to be exciting when start when free agency happens. Uh, and speaking of all the teams this year, now we, we, had, we talked about this last offseason. Best records this year in one-score football games. Now, of course, last year, the Minnesota Vikings were 11-0 in one-score football games. And then everybody said they were a bunch of frauds, and they ended up getting beat by the Giants in the playoffs last year because of all the close games. And you know, this year, their record in one-score games were 6-8. and eight. So, you know, you can't keep it up from season to season. This year's culprit of the best record in one-score games, yep, the Pittsburgh Steelers. They were 9-2 and two in one-score games this year. And if you watch their games like the hosts did, uh, you know they got away with a lot of close calls, a lot of breakup plays with the defense at the end of games to go 9-2 and two in those one-score games. Now, you know that's not going to happen this year. You know that's going to drop off. So they're going to have to be significantly better uh, in other parts of their game to overcome the 9-2 and two record. Uh, Cleveland was second this year. Uh, they were 6-2. and two. Uh, Philadelphia, believe it or not, uh, even though with their total collapse at the end of the season, they were 8-3. and three. Uh, Houston, a rising team uh, that no one expected this year with C.J. Stroud. They were 7-3. The Colts, uh, believe it or not, with Gardenman Shoe, 6-3. The Detroit Lions, 5-3. The Rams in Seattle, 6-4. Dallas was 3-2. Dallas was only three. Dallas only played five one-score games. Boy, that's something, right? Dallas? You think they would be more close games being the Cowboys? Uh, Miami four and three, Denver and Cincinnati five and four, Kansas City and Green Bay six and five, Buffalo six and six, Raiders five and five, Baltimore four and four, uh, the Giants and the Jets four and four, Minnesota as we talked about six and eight, Tampa Bay a playoff team three and four. Uh, Jacksonville, they collapsed at the end of the season, three and four. Tennessee, five and seven. Washington, Atlanta, four and six. New England, four and eight. 
Saints three and six. Arizona two and five. Chargers three and eight. I'm sure that's going to improve this year with uh, you know Jim Harbaugh being the coach now. I'm sure that'll be one thing that they'll be better at in close games. So don't expect the Chargers to be three and eight. The Bears were two and six. I uh, saw a lot of collapses there in the fourth quarter, uh, mainly in the first half of the season, uh, as they played better in the second half. Carolina two and six, and San Francisco one and three. Oh, that goes to show you, of course, uh, how Kyle Shanahan is when he gets behind in a game. I uh, had trouble coming back until the playoff game against the Lions uh, in the regular season. San Francisco is one and three in close games. They only played four close games, one score games. That's hard. That's hard to believe, right? San Francisco uh, in, the, in the games they were close. Lost one and three. So, uh, something to remember there as you go into next year, uh, thinking about Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers with their team. So, uh, so that's the one score records. And like I said, when you have the best record, you're not going to have that again the following season. So, that's something to watch out for uh, with, with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, teams with the longest. Active streak making the playoffs uh, after this season. Yep, Chiefs are number one. Nine seasons in a row. Buffalo Bills, five seasons in a row. This team, believe it or not, this team has made the playoffs four seasons in a row. And you don't think of this team as a playoff team, even though they had Tom Brady on it for a while, and that's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Four seasons in a row. 49ers, Cowboys, and Eagles. All tied with three seasons in a row. Uh, curious to see uh, how the Eagles play out this year and to see what Nick Sirianni can do after he had to revamp his coaching staff and bring in uh, a different coordinator to work with Jalen Hurts. So we'll see how that all plays out. Uh, with that. Now, here's here's a dumb stat here uh, that I've been saving for the show. This this stat came out, and I'm a little confused at this, and I don't know how this is even possible, because I would think some of these other teams would be higher on this list, uh, especially our friends uh, up in Buffalo. I don't know how they're not in the top five in this list. This is a stat based on 28,000 breathalyzer tests. Now, I don't know where they're doing this at at these stadiums. This stat here is the NFL's drunkest NFL fan base. Now, I don't know how, where they're testing these. Well, you just randomly test someone to see where their alcohol content is in a game? I don't know how they're doing this stat and how they came up with it. They must have bad equipment up in Buffalo <laughs> because I don't know how they're so far down on this list. Who has the drunkest fan base in the NFL? Can anybody take a guess? It's not the Bills. Uh, they're, uh, let's see. Believe it or not, the Bills are 20th on this list as the drunkest fan base. I guess you're not breathalyzing, breathalyzer, these people who are throwing themselves through tables and stuff. I, I guess they're not taking their, their test to, to see uh, where they're at. Uh, I guess they're not 
in the right part of the parking lot uh, up there in Buffalo getting this. They're only 20th. Uh, 0. 0.6, 0. 0.065%. That's what this stat is. Based on blood alcohol content readings. <laughs> That's the average Bills fan. Number one drunkest fan base. Come on. Somebody probably say, oh, Philadelphia. Yeah, well, that's a good guess. Uh, yeah. Not on the list. Uh, not in the top. Uh, they are uh, 15. A little higher than the Bills. Chicago Bears. Nope. Not the Chicago Bears. Uh, they're actually, uh, believe it or not, the Bears are below the Bills. Green Bay Packers, you know, they got a good party town, football town out there. They should be number one. Oh, no, they're actually seven. Number one drunkest fan base, people, the Tennessee Titans at 0.093%. They're your number one drunkest NFL fan base. Now, I don't know how they, they are. Uh, that crowd doesn't seem rowdy when you play there. That crowd doesn't seem loud. They have an outdoor stadium. Uh, I, I don't get it. See, it looks like it's half empty half the time when they play. So I, I don't know how they get the recognition of uh, being this on this list. Uh, number two, Pittsburgh Steelers at zero point, uh, 0.088. The Colts are third. Falcons four. Saints five. Dolphins, six. You see the Dolphins fan base? Really? <laughs> Seven is the Packers. Eight is the Patriots. Nine is the Raiders. Well, <laughs> ten is the Rams. And 11 and 12, Buccaneers and Browns. We won't go through the list. We already said the Bills. Uh, and by the way, Jaguars and Jets, last on this list. Last. And uh, the Chiefs. Uh, how loud their stadium is with all the barbecue that's being cooked out there. And they got a fan named Chiefs Alcoholic or something like that. Remember that guy who got arrested? Uh, they're 30th. So I don't know who's conducting these tests or even if they're right, but it doesn't make any sense to me about this list. I, I think it's a, a little far-fetched if, if you ask me. Um, <laughs> But, uh, so I don't know where they're getting this from at all. So, other than that, <laughs> the Tennessee Titans are your drunkest fan base. Okay, uh, now, you know, uh, as uh, we're getting into the show here, um, you know the host is going on the golf trip. And uh, I know I owed you guys this story from a while ago. Uh, and since the host is going on the golf trip, I'm going to leave you uh, with this golf story. Remember uh, I said uh, a few months ago, uh, three, maybe it was three, four months ago, I played in this uh, scramble. And by the way, um, for those of you who don't know, a scramble is uh, you get a, a, usually have a tournament, uh, if you want to call it that. Um, <laughs> usually you have a bunch of people play for some sort of charity. and. Uh, the golf course raises the price, and some of the money goes to charity. You get a, a crappy meal at the end of it, uh, some lousy prizes at the end. 
uh, and you end up being playing in this thing, and you're out there all day, uh, and it's just really frustrating. Uh, usually, out there six six and a half hours it takes to play these. Some geniuses think that if you play a scramble, it's faster, and it's actually not because what they do is uh, they jam up the course to what two foursomes on every hole. And it just slows down everything, and you got to wait and wait and wait and wait and wait and wait. And it's just uh, annoying to play in these things. And usually in these uh, scrambles, they have all these gimmick holes where, uh, you know, you can, uh, for example, uh, they'll have on a par three, they'll have a, a, some kind of college player or something who uh, can automatically just hit it on the green for you and try to get closer than the pin than the four bozos you're, you're playing with. And usually you got to donate some money. Uh, or they'll have a hole where they have these big giant dice. And you roll the dice, and depending what the number is, you can move up uh, from the tee box and hit your first shot from maybe out in the fairway or something like that. They've had that stupid gimmick out there before. Uh, you know, some, some other goofy things they've, they've done. So uh, this year, uh, this was a first. We, uh, we come riding up to this par five, and uh, they got this guy in the tee box. And he's got these two big goons with him. Uh, two big guys that look like they were bouncers. And here's this guy on the, on the tee, and I, for, I forget his name. Uh, but you can look him up when I describe him to you. He, he, and he, uh, he has this table set up in front, in front of the tee box as you, you go walking up to the tee box. And it's got this championship WWE-style belt on it. Well, this guy happens to be the amateur long-distance driving champion. And uh, he's there on the tee box, and he's going to, and he goes to talk, and he's gonna. He gives us his sale pitch. I'll he'll hit a drive for us, and he hits. He can hit the ball. He gives us all his stats. He can hit the ball four hundred yards. Uh, he gives us the whole routine. Uh, I, I can hit it four hundred yards. I'll put you down. The hole is five. I forget what the hole was playing that day. I figured it was playing like five. It was a par five. I think it was playing like 530, 540 yards. He tells us. That he can hit to hit the ball to the 150 yard marker. Well, that's almost a 400 yard drive from where the tee box was. Okay. Now this this course we played the the host and the guests have played this course many times that we were playing it. The the guest has probably played this course over 200 times. Uh, used to be the course we used to play all the time until they, uh redid some holes and a lot of people didn't like the holes they redid and a lot of people don't play there anymore because of it. Uh, they redid three holes on the course to fit more houses in. They made them shorter. Uh, they ruined a nice par five and they ruined the hardest par four in the course by making it everything shorter. They turned the par five into a par four. Uh, the par four used to be a 420 yard par four. It is now like 290. Uh, just to fit more houses around the golf course. Uh, so anyway, so so we know the course. Me and the guests know the course very well. And this was actually the first time I've played there in probably five or six years. So I know the hole. 
And so the, and it's a par five and it dog legs to the right. But there's a big pond on the right side of this hole. So this guy tells us he can hit the, he can, he can hit the drive because he's a long distance driver champion. He can hit it to the 150 yard. And he'll do it. But of course, there's a price for him to do it. Now, what's the, what do you think is a fair price for this guy to, you know, allegedly all to charity? <laughs> what do you think a fair price is for this guy to hit a drive 400 yards, get you to the 150? You'll be hitting, you'll be hitting two from the 150. Now, you know, or we could take our chances of hitting our own ball off the tee and try to get to the green from there. What do you think this guy's price was to do that? What do you, what do you think is the fair price? 20 bucks? 30 bucks? He was asking $500. $500. Yeah. You heard $500 he was asking for to hit this ball off the tee. And the best part is, before he does anything, he asked one of the other guys if he could borrow their club, their driver. Now, this guy's a lefty. Everybody I was playing with was a righty. He takes, he borrows this other guy's driver, and he flips it around. And he hits a drive with it left-handed. And, of course, nobody knows where the ball went because nobody saw it. So, meanwhile, he comes back and he's trying to get us to pay $500 so he can hit a drive for us. And he's got these two intimidating goons on the tee box with, like, their arms folded. Like, if you don't pay this guy the $500, this guy's going to walk over and pick you up and body slam you on the tee box. So, of course, the one guy in our group, he pays it. He pays the guy $500. So, yeah, that's right, people, $500. <laughs> so, the long-distance driving guy gets on the tee box. He walks, first of all, he walks over. First of all, I asked him, I go, hey, what kind of driver is that? Is that illegal? He wouldn't show me what kind of driver he was hitting. So right there, you know there's some shenanigans going on. And it was a big club. You know these long-distance driver guys, they got the long, extended uh, you know, shaft. They got, the big, they got a grip on there, and the head of the club is huge. You know the thing is not, you know you can't use that on, on a real tournament or anything. You know it's an illegal club. I just by looking at it. So he wouldn't tell us. So then he says, after... After our guy pays the five hundred dollars, he says, "He says I'll even use." And he acts like this is this is this is a this 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 doesn't happen. He acts like this is a non-existent thing. He goes, "I'll even use a Titleist Pro V One for you guys." And and I go and I'm standing there. I go, "Well, that's what I use." <laughs> I mean, is that supposed to be something special? He's using that kind of ball. Any good golfer uses that ball. So he takes the ball, he puts it on the tee, and he hits it. Big swing. And, of course, the two goons are 
cheering this guy on. Yeah, what a shot, what a shot. And the, and the four of us are standing on a team. I honestly didn't see the shot. I couldn't see it. Not at all. It was because uh, uh, that he, he hit it so hard or he, he, just the way he swung. I didn't see the ball. And the two goons, oh, what a shot, what a shot. They're cheering this guy on. And we're all, you know, the four of us are looking at each other like, what the hell just happened? He says, oh, look at it, it's bouncing, it's bouncing by the 150. And I'm looking out the 150. I, I don't see no ball bouncing. I don't see nothing out there. He goes, just drive out there. You'll see it. You'll see it. It's right out there. And we don't see it. So we all, we all get, we get in the carts. We drive down there. So we're driving up. And I, like I said, there's a big pond on the right side. Now, to clear the pond, I would say you have to hit it from where he was on the tee box. You have to hit it about 300 yards. Now, that's nothing special. Like, there's a couple guys I play with that can hit the ball that far. Okay? I, the host can't hit the ball that far. Used to be able to maybe 10, 12 years ago, but not now. But, uh, uh, to hit it in this spot, you get really, still you got still got to hit it. I'll, I'll give you that much. You still got to put a, a big swing into it and get it and clear the pond. Okay, so maybe about three hundred to carry the pond. So we're driving and we're as we're getting closer to the one hundred and fifty marker. I, I still don't see this guy's ball. Oh, oh, let me back up. And he tells us on the tee box before we leave. He goes, "Oh, because you paid. If you don't see it by the one hundred and fifty. You can just move the ball up to the 150-yard marker. Oh, okay, okay, Mr. Uh, Pro, a long-distance guy. Sure, we'll do that. So as we're driving up, uh, we still don't see the ball in the fairway. And the guy I'm riding with, I look over, and I see the ball barely on the other side of the pond. I'm talking like maybe two yards past the pond on the right side. And we drive over there and it's the Titleist Pro V1 ball. And I look at I look at the guy we're driving with and I go, "Well, he didn't hit the ball that good." And I look down at the ball and he he made a big deal about him using the Pro V1 ball on the tee. I look down at the ball. This ball looks like it's gone through a garbage disposal. It looked like it's been sitting in a pond for a whole summer, and this guy just fished it out and hit it. This ball was so terrible, and he's acting like he's hitting a brand new, he was acting like he was making a big deal about hitting a brand new ball. This guy looked like he got this off the used driving range. And here he is bragging about him being the long-distance drive champion. And our guy got suckered into paying $500. <laughs> so we picked up the ball and we placed it at the 150 and we hit the ball in from there. And I don't, I don't, uh, we didn't hit that ball. That ball was garbage. I think I threw it back in the pond, to tell you the truth. After looking at it, I think I turned back around and threw it in the pond. That's how lousy of a ball it was. I don't remember what we ended up getting on that hole. I don't know if we eagled it. I don't know what we did. If we birdied it, I don't remember. But that's just the story I wanted to tell. A guy, we have people now. I, I hate the people, okay, just to, just to tell you this. I hate the people when you're just playing normally and you go to play on a golf course 
and you come up to the par three and you got the guy sitting there. Uh, he gives you his whole sorry spiel about how he's for some charity and he's got a box of ball. He's got a sleeve of balls. And if you pay 20 bucks, uh, you get it on the green, you'll get a sleeve of balls. And of course, if you get the hole in one, it's a, you'll be uh, entered into a million dollar sweepstakes. You got those guys. You know, I can't stand those guys. And all those people do is pocket the money. I guarantee those people pocket the money. And I can't stand those guys. This was a, a whole new level. This was a whole new level to see some guy on the tee box asking for $500 to hit a tee shot. $500. (laughs) And and, And by the way, I saw the sheet. We weren't the only ones that paid it. Just throwing that out there, too. We weren't. You know. You know, wherever that credit card transaction went, it didn't go to no charity. It went right into this guy's pocket. You know it did. There's no, and the two, how much was he paying the two goons they have on the tee box with him? You know, you know, at the end of Caddyshack, where <laughs> Rodney has the two goons go after Judge Smales for the money he owes after, after the putt sank? That's what these two guys reminded me of. <laughs> <laughs> is that these two guys on the tee box <laughs> oh man anyway uh that's my story for you uh i just wanted to give you that story i've been t- wanting to tell that uh since long ago so i wanted to include that on the show because i'm leaving for the golf trip uh and i wanted to give you guys a show so you guys would have one before i left this week so uh i know it was uh just some random stuff here and there uh you know but hey the show right uh, <laughs> anyway guys i appreciate all you guys listening as always uh again i hope you guys download hey here's the other thing i wanted to say i didn't do a show for a what a week week and a week and a half and the best part is i just want to tell you guys this for all my listeners people were still downloading other shows so i appreciate that for all the new listeners out there that keep downloading the show uh, and getting introduced to the host. But all of my loyal listeners, thank you. I appreciate it. Don't forget, you know where to get the show. That's on my Twitter feeds, the host at SteelDF72, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Podcast Hack, Amazon Music, and of course, all your other podcast downloads that you may listen to something on, the host is available on. And as always, it's nice to be important, but more important to be nice. And I'll leave you with this. This is new Bruce Dickinson. His new album has fully come out. It's called The Mandrake Project. This is Fingers in the Wounds. It just takes a hero. You stand in a shadow. You walk in his shoes with feet made of clay. So who is the sinner? And who is the prophet? The rules of the game that you're gonna play. Don't put your 